0: You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology
1: brought to you by LifeYield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thanks for joining us. Each week, I have the privilege of speaking with industry leaders around issues that inform and advance financial advice. Wealth and Asset Management, Retirement, Insurance and Annuities, and Technology. I talk with executives who are working on ways to help advisors, clients, participants, and firms enjoy better financial outcomes all around the confluence of digital and human advice. Our conversations center around what's new and exciting today and where our industry is headed. My favorite episodes are with folks disrupting our industry in a good way. Today we are speaking with someone who has been busy doing just that, changing the game in enabling advisors to provide better advice and outcomes for their clients. Rich Cancro is CEO and founder of Advisor Engine. Rich, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Jack, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Terrific. So, Rich, let's start with you telling our audience about Advisor Engine at a high level, about the role you play, and the firms and
1: advisors you serve. I started the firm. I'm the founder and CEO back in about 2014. We deliver a robust wealth management technology platform. It's open architecture. So we like to play with a lot of the industry partners, whether it's custodians or whether it's other fintechs. We typically will service advisors that are the core four custodians. So whether that be Schwab, TD, Fidelity, and Pershing. Our mission is to to help advisors connect with their prospects and clients. It's to help them grow. And it's also to help them truly scale their business with their smart automation and workflows. That's great.
0: So, Rich, what, what do you feel our audience had on
1: your background and how all this got started? I know
0: Advisor Engine off to has been off to a great start for many years now, but I know you have a a
1: life before Advisor Engine. I did. I hate to say this, but this is actually my thirtieth year in the financial industry. Started in the early '90s. I was actually the third person at Waterhouse Securities in their advisor business. Believe it or not, before Tom Bradley was there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And what I learned there pretty quickly being one of three people. So that meant I took all the client service calls, I placed trades, learned all about operations, I opened accounts, I helped move money, pretty much did everything other than sell. And you know, what I learned from there was two things. One is I am absolutely passionate about fiduciary advisors, which I'll talk a little bit more in my journey, but I love the fact that fiduciary advisors are fully aligned with their clients' interests. The second thing I learned, and we've carried this also forward, is they're small businesses. How they get service and how they service their clients, every moment matters. So how they open accounts, how they deliver performance reports, how they execute trades, all of it, all the details matters to them. After that, I moved on to what was PC Financial Network. That time was part of Pershing and it was a direct-to-consumer app back in the, in the mid-90s and then turned into DLJ Direct. DLJ Direct at that time owned Pershing and it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun in my career. We are innovating and creating new capabilities first out there. So, the first real time balances, first real time PL, first is streaming quotes, first online IPO center, first institutional research. I actually signed the very first Down Jones Newswire for real time news to hit consumer base. It's the first time it's going to consumers versus professionals. So, learned a lot about building consumer apps at the time, and then transitioned from that point to building out. What is today, NetX 360 at the time was NetX Pro and NetX Client. And what that charter was, was to take the, the DLJ Direct tech stack and make it work for Pershing's clients, both their broker dealers and their RIAs clients. And my first client was actually Vanguard Brokerage Services, which was a great first client. You know, it really helped us learn the need for flexibility around brand, workflow, risk framework, investment framework, workflows, compliance. All those things when you're building out, and when you're taking a retail app and making it work for an institutional client, you really have to build out a ton of flexibility. So that was, you know, my first. And I learned a lot from Jim Crowley and Brian Shea, who were at the time at Pershing, and Jim is, is now the CEO of Pershing. And I, you know, I was, I was a sponge with them, learning all about that part of the business. After that. Then I built out DLJ Direct Investment Advisor Services, which was the service Independent Advisor. So kind of getting back into my core passion. And there I brought on a partner, Jeff Rausch, who to this day is just has amazing depth of knowledge of how advisors run their businesses from productivity to any type of pain point to client onboarding, servicing clients, all the things that an advisor cares about. And I was just a sponge with him as well. And he just said this was a wealth of knowledge and really kind of set me up for my future. From there, I went into Bear Stearns and headed product development for the RA custody business. I built out, whether it was tech, mutual fund platforms, separate account platforms for that business. Ultimately ran it as a transition to J.P. Morgan, and then transitioned into running the RA business as a transition to J.P. Morgan. An interesting thing that I learned there, and it's connecting dots from early in my career. You know, when we were trying to sell our custody services and technology to advisors... Their questions are always not about how do I make money. They're always about how does this benefit my client? And that's so resonated with me. Their every question was, how is this good for my client? So it just really connecting those dots from early in my career to there is you know driven my passion. Moved on to Merrill Lynch, where there I headed up the RA custody business there, as well as all the planning and reporting across the Merrill Lynch franchise. And then transitioned to a founder, which was a big transition moment. If I may, Rich. So how did you go from Merrill Lynch,
0: arguably one of the best firms in our business, biggest firm, certainly, to wanting to
1: do a startup? How did that happen? Well, you know, it's interesting. I come from a family of startups. So going all the way back to my grandmother, she actually started a business in the 30s, maybe in the 20s. I don't know exactly the time frame. <laughs> so she started a business her entire career. She was an entrepreneur and she had such a spirit to her and such a passion And just amazing, you know, the success that she had. And then my father ultimately was also a CEO and, you know, ran businesses and things like that. So it was within my, I think, my DNA. So even going back to the mid 2000s, I've always had this idea of wanting to do this. I guess I, I would suggest I didn't have the courage. And somehow I found that courage. When I asked my first child, which seems a little crazy. <laughs> so I look crazy. I'm the first, but like, getting married, having a child and decided to become a founder. Uh, but I had that, you know, I really did have it since the, you know, I'd say mid 2000 wanting to do this. And so when I did transition to founder, one is I can maybe even more relate to small businesses sure. so I went from, you know, bigger companies, a lot of support services, all those things. So it's me and my cat basically looking out the window and coming up with a business plan <laughs> and, you know, launching the company. It's me and my cat looking out onto 27th Street here in New York City and realize, like, I have to do everything. Right. So I have to besides come to business plan, trying to you know win business and win clients and so on and so forth and build a brand and all those things you know, holy cow, the toners went out. You know, let's get that. I got to get that right. Yeah. Any little thing that, you know, Oh, I have to open a bank account. I hope I have to start a corporation, all these things that take time, the small businesses. So it connected me even closer to, I think a lot of the firms. And when I talk about small businesses, I think what's well, a $50 million advisor, a $5 billion advisor, a ten million, they're still small businesses and every sure. client, every moment matters to them. Yeah. So I actually had two ideas and I normally don't talk about it, but So I had two ideas. One was to create a national RA business with a national brand. I'm just, like I said, so passionate about the fiduciary model. In doing that, you know, I looked at a lot of technology solutions out there, and I realized that they weren't at that time. And they've made some really great progress since. They weren't really built to connect advisors and clients. They're really kind of oriented toward portfolio management and advisor using tech, but not really connecting with clients. So. That went into my, my second idea, which I was equally passionate about, which is to build the wealth platform, which has been something I wanted to do for, for quite a while. And the goal of that was to connect advisors and clients. Instead of like thinking of it this way of an advisor using tech and then talking to a client or connecting client, using the same thing to connect on, right? So in real time, collaboration, engagement, that the advisor and client were connecting. Now, it's okay that maybe the UI may be different. That's okay. The data level may be different in terms of what you show an, an advisor versus a client because you want to make it approachable for the audience. So you can build a more approachable UI, workflow, data, in the words you use for the client that may be a bit different than an advisor. And so it, it really wasn't there at the time. And we also didn't find, when I was looking at things, that it really kind of scaled the full set of activities for an advisor. So beyond performance supporting, trade rebalancing, and fee billing which are all pain points, but also all the other parts. So client onboarding, so opening accounts digitally, funding those accounts, moving assets. And then the third was communication. So the communi- I think it's fundamentally super important that an advisor owns the brand. So that means anything that they do, whether it's an email or if it's online with their brand, all of that should be in their brand. So creating an ecosystem akin to how Apple thinks about their brand. Google thinks about their brand. Coca-Cola thinks about their brand. You know, helping advisor deliver their brand to their clients. So, Rich, one of the things
0: that we see and we've had conversations at other times along these lines is that there seems to be a movement toward what I'm calling comprehensive advice platforms. You are all that. That's advisor engine is a comprehensive advice platform. And when you started it, frankly, that was a relatively new idea. You know, this was a few years ago and things have changed rapidly over the past few, for sure. So talk a little bit about that because there's real challenges. It's one thing to have all these discrete elements, all these discrete capabilities. It's a whole nother thing to have them all coordinate with one another. And I'm, I know you've spent a lot of time doing just that so that it looks easy, but I know it's not easy to do. So I want you to describe how you've gone about that, how you've coordinated all the various capabilities that you've put together.
1: Yeah, you know, during the journey, I asked our team some pretty... Pretty hard things to do, right? One was build one instance of the software, right? Have a true product. So when a client, for example, wants some new feature, that we make it available to everyone through configuration. So a key to it is configuration. So one software instance that's highly configurable, and that configurability kind of gets into that learning I had from an enterprise perspective. So being and making it configurable for brand disclosures, risk, investment framework, workflows client portal, features and functions, all these things should be configurable both at the firm level and at the advisor level and at the end client level, advisor's client. So the configuration I think is key to giving, offering a solution that really works for the advisor. So when you think about that, that's personalization. So when people think typically about personalization, they think at the end client level, for sure, right? You wanna offer personalized portfolios, personalized experiences and communication, But the key, the second part of that is offering personalization to the advisor and how they run their business, how they want their workflows, how they want their brand, how they want their communication. That's the true personalization and bring it down at the firm level, advisor level, client level. You started that way. You started the company
0: with that in mind. Yep. And as I'm sure you're observing, there's a whole lot of other folks out there that are trying to do the same thing, only they didn't start with that in mind. They started just in the way most businesses start and they start with how, whatever was current at the time. So you kind of have a head start and you have a unified experience, right? Whether you're a client or an advisor or you know, a larger RA firm or broker dealer firm, or what have you. Where are you in your journey? Have you pulled it all together? Is it still a work in progress? I know others are, frankly, chasing your dream and chasing what you all have put together. But talk about where you are in your journey and pulling all this together and making it very usable, user-friendly for both advisors and their clients.
1: Well, Jack, I'm sure you can relate to it's a the journey never ends, right? right so It's that's, right. a that's, <laughs> right? journey you keep evolving. So when you think about where we are on the journey part of that's building that approachable technology, right? So making yeah. the experience really good. And that's just an ongoing component. And what's really, if you think about the past seven years, and you've seen this, the technology, the support that has really changed as well, particularly in terms of the front-end code base that's out there now. So you can do a lot more in the front-end to deliver that customization. So there's a front-end and the back-end to it, right? So the back-end had a lot of configuration, but the front-end also has to keep up with the back-end as well. And so, you know, building out a tech stack that works that way is hard and it's evolving and you can have continue to change. So where you, we started seven years ago and where we are today and where we'll be seven years from now or even three years from now is going to be different. Yeah, yeah, So we've been trying to make the hard decisions, not chasing the shiny ball, but making decisions that from a tech stack perspective, from a product perspective, that it will be enduring and that you can change it over time uh, versus hard coding or customization that becomes spaghetti right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. pretty hard to change. The other thing, which is important to note too, because it's not only those things, right? It's also so approachable technology, configuration, connecting advisors and clients, but it's also something that's secure, which yeah, is sure. something that's incredibly important and more important every, every month, every sure, year, sure. right? In terms of security, because that is changing all the time. So we have a heavy, heavy emphasis on all of the security and the continuing to evolve that. And the other part is keeping it fast, right? So part of a, an experience making it approachable, you, know, you can build it, but if you have to wait more than seven seconds to some to show up, holy cow, right? That's yeah, where sure. it, you know, studies show that people just drop off, right? Sure. And mm-hmm. obviously our standard is not seven seconds, but continuing to deliver more data, more configuration, but keeping it fast, right? So that's a key component to it as well.
0: So where do you see this going over the next three to five years? You mentioned things have evolved rapidly and they're going to continue to, what, what's your view uh, I'll give you my two cents, see if we agree, I have a hunch we might, that really it's going to be a very interconnected, very coordinated set of capabilities in all the ways that you're describing so that you ultimately, the client can get it more easily, meaning they understand it, it's more intuitive, and that they also can see that their outcome is improved as a result of all the good work that you make available through, through the advisor. So talk a little bit about that. Where do you see the world going?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing is when I think about technology, I always think about that as solving problems, right? So solution based. And so from a business perspective, you know, kind of what I see happening is the competition in the independent channel, RA, the food issue channel, is just becoming every month is more competitive. Whether it was a startup B2C that now is kind of morphing into adding an advisor component to it, and we see that happening, to the largest, most trusted brands offering advice solutions. Because if you think about the 90s, for example, I'm going back to the 90s, sorry, right? That's where online brokerage completely disrupted the brokerage model, right? So it took down commissions and even down in the, and what a cost to do a trade, not just the commission, but the actual spreads and all those things, right? It really got compressed. Now that took 10 to 15 years to happen, but boy, now it's like you get real time for free trading. You get what almost a professional trader has. I think the difference between what the direct-to-consumer models are and a hedge fund is probably the hedge fund may have a closer connectivity to the exchanges. But other than that, and some of their algorithms, all the other tools are pretty similar. I think the advice the same way where you have this competition, again, from the biggest, most trusted brands and startups and everything in between, offering more advisor uh, solutions, advisory solutions. So the competition is fundamentally changing. I personally think there's gonna be pressures. I know people talk about, well, there hasn't been, well, it's been a bull market for a decade. So there's usually a price pressure during a bull market. But I, I believe as the management's disrupted, banking's been disrupted, insurance is now starting to get disrupted. I think the fee-based model's also gonna get disrupted and there's gonna be lower fees. The second thing I see happening, and I don't know if people talk about this enough, is we talk about the transition of wealth, and I think everybody's aware, depending who asks, is 30, 60, 90 trillion between real estate, insurance, you know, 401ks, investment accounts, and so there's a massive transition and it's already started, which is one of the key points. It's not waiting for 20 years from now. Unfortunately, that transition's already started. But what that really means to an advisor, because we talk about, well, can you keep the next generation? Right? Can you start relationships? Can you do it through tech so it's scalable? The answer is yes, now you can, and that's important. But the other point is you're going to be serving more clients. If you're lucky, the kids will say yes. <laughs> I'm going to work with you. Here's the news, though. Now I went from one household to two, three, four households. Benefit that is those households may have their own wealth to begin with. So now you may be serving more wealth, which is great. Yeah. But you're serving two to four more households with the same set of assets for the most part. So how do you scale that? So I think scale is really important. And going back to the first part in the competition, I think advisors really have to evolve from relationship by relationship, building their business, which is super important. I think they're great at it, right? That's the way they build their trust. But they have to pivot from my perspective into great marketers. I don't want to be mean, but I say the vast, vast majority of independents are not great at marketing. I know that hurts you personally, Jack, but that's my point.
0: No, view. I built a career on the fact that that's true. I'll share that in a
1: moment. <laughs> <laughs> So in that world, and this is how we think about it, we want to help advisors and we think advisors really need to scale. When we talk about scale, there's two components, right? There's the grow and then can you do more, right? Can you service more, do more things with sure, sure. the same set of costs, right? It's the same set of resources. We think and advisors should be getting more efficient and using those additional dollars to actually put it into marketing. And is
0: that part of your platform or is that something
1: they would go elsewhere for? Right now, it's a partnership. We have some really good prospecting and marketing tools. So in other words, you can easily configure each firm, can easily configure a marketing page to collect prospect data. And then all of that will transition into the, the CRM. And then if that you win the business, it can transition right into the custodian. So it's a great, you know, it's really great. So this is newer technology. It's drag and drop. It's modern, flexible and all that stuff. But what's really cool, I want to revise said it took us two minutes and we created a whole new prospect page our, on our website. And that's exciting. But the other side part is now all that data is automated and you don't have to re enter So it's scale and you're not going to have any data entry issues. And then it's straight through, right? Cradle to grave. So that's exciting. So we help there. We help with integrations with third-party marketing vendors like Constant Contact, terrific integration with them, for example. We think about it, there's a next layer above that, right? Getting Starting to help advisors get eyeballs to their website and start thinking about their website is actually a great way to win business. And that's the area that we're going to start focusing a bit on because are getting more eyeballs to the website. So once you get the website, we have everything you need yep, yep. to grow and scale and all those things, move money, fund accounts, but it's the top of the funnel we're going to focus on?
0: When I first started in this business, I was a wholesaler and I called on advisors in the Northeast. And actually what I sold was I was going to show them how to market themselves and how I did that. This is back in another era, but did uh, client seminars where I basically did a financial planning seminar for all intents and purposes. There was a little bit of a commercial for the product I represented, but it was really helping the advisor grow their business. And because what I found is advisors weren't very good at that. They kind of, if someone called them or a friend introduced a friend, they weren't good at asking for referrals. They weren't good at articulating their value. They weren't good at really telling their own story. Many, frankly, just like to manage money. They like that part of the business. That's why they get into it. Literally, I built the career just by showing them how to attract clients and they liked it because they weren't good at it and they get clients. It worked. I think in this electronic era, and we do a lot of that here at LifeField. we actually work with our clients to help them grow their business. That's just part of what we do because that's where we live. We talk about that stuff all the time. We have technology that's wonderful and all that stuff. But if you can't attract clients, what's the point? So we're spending an increasing amount of time on that topic. Just how do we help people grow their business? It's uh, Whether it's a B2B relationship or a B2 advisor, if you will. Or how to help the advisor reach the consumer. We're, we try to be active in that
1: regard. That's great. You know, our, our first tagline for advisor, Engine. maybe we should bring it back. And by the way, it used to be called Venor. It used to be wealth management technology for growth. It's kind of long. Yeah. So we kind of morphed a little bit from that. But that was our original tagline. But that's actually one of the harder things we're focused on right now on the growth side. I think that's super smart.
0: One of the things that for those that may not be familiar with Advisor Engine, you've collected a lot of capabilities, some of which you partner with, some of which you've actually purchased. So talk a little bit about the Juncture Advisor Engine deal and what that means for for you and what you're
1: doing. Sure. You know, we acquired Juncture four years ago and we, we had done it for a few reasons. One is that the team's amazing, the service level and the client's absolutely love their service team. And so that's the same team now that's servicing all advisor-engine clients. And the feedback is just phenomenal. I mean, I literally, I think almost on a weekly basis, we get unsolicited, you know, thank you so much for doing something. And, you know, one of the final decisions to, to acquire Juncture was, I went to the Juncture conference and we were literally watching advisors and operations staff hug their tech support person, hug their onboarding <laughs> person, hug their training person. And i like, is this financial services? Because I haven't seen hugging like this before in financial services. So <laughs> it's pretty validating of how people felt about it. Yeah, yeah. And so that's people's people, and obviously the product is great. It's clearly built by an advisor for advisors to serve their clients in very unique ways, right? And a lot of automation around and then really thoughtful workflows that are automated to serve and create service tiers and help clients. Uh, but we knew from day one that we would replatform on the product. And that meant, you know, when I mentioned earlier that we kind of played the long ball, that means we did some of the heavy lifting up front, right? So that meant, you know, how it was hosted and doing the heavy work that no one would see, right? You're not going to see that as a client, but we, you know, we did a lot of work in the infrastructure. Now we'd spend time and we're continuing. This is ongoing is just adding more integrations. The third part of it was creating a new experience, so we literally, our, our product design team, read by Ralph Jeske and our product managers and designers literally looked at thousands of points of feedback. It littered like a whole wall in our office, actually four walls technically. And categorize all that feedback. It's not just to make it look better, right? It's to have it operate better. So address all those pieces of feedback. And again, going back to, you know, making it hard on the team is it has to be beautiful. It has to be approachable and it has to be fast, right, and easy to use. So they took all that information and built a beautiful product. And we're still going through the process as we continue to replatform everything. Feedback's been fantastic, and as part of that, we rebranded from Juncture to Advisor Engine CRM. And part of that is about bringing the overall, you know, really making clear our ethos that personal, scientific, and beautiful into all of our products and services, and harmonizing our offering. And then ultimately, where we, you know, you asked me before about the future. What I would love to say is, I'll bring up this quick story at a T3 tech summit. And Joel Bruckenstein hosts this, not recently because of the pandemic, but usually every year. And he brings in 10 advisors kind of from different sizes, different, you know, they just broke away to they've been in business for 20 years. They manage 5 billion, 15 billion, and everything in between. And the advisor was asked the question, so where's your data? Isn't the portfolio management system? Or is it the CRM? And the answer was, mm. it took a moment. And he's like, I think it's a portfolio management system. We would like that answer to be, it's the same thing. You know, I don't think advisors come in and say, I really want my data in three different systems. I think what they really want is, they have access to their data and they shouldn't care where it is. They share that cure, of course, but they should just be able to do their work and do their things, their staff, without having to think about where something is. So bringing the portfolio management, the trader balancing, fee billing, performance reporting, client portal, workflows, document management, all those things together so that it's ubiquitous in terms of that question. And they are just doing their jobs really well. So that's where we're going with it.
0: So, Rich, this has been great. Really enjoyed our conversation, learned a ton, knew a bunch, but learned a lot more. So as we do each week on our podcast, one of the things we like to do is... uh, as we bring the session to a close, is can you tell us something interesting or unique you do outside of work that people may not know about you and would find interesting or surprising?
1: You know, I have two young children. My son's 27 and I have a nine-year-old. So I don't know if there's a lot of unique, exciting, surprising things <laughs> <dates> at <laughs> my weekends. My weekends are play dates and you know, scheduling the next play date for the next weekend. So I can't say it's <laughs> so exciting. But I will say this. I do have an opportunity to watch sports from time to time. And I certainly had the pleasure of the Yankees taking two out of three from the Boston red Sox. And I'm just curious, Jack, as a big Boston fan, how do you feel about that? <laughs> you got me. I hate the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to get this little wins from since 2004, you know?
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy watching the, uh, the rivalry between us and you. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rich, thanks. This has been a very enjoyable conversation. I look forward to our next. For our audience, if you have enjoyed our podcast, please review, subscribe and share what we're doing here on Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Thanks again, Rich. It's been a real pleasure. Look forward to the next one. Jack, really enjoyed it and looking forward to seeing you in person soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck. Our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.